0: I've got strawberry freddos, I've got milky top freddos, and I've got a plain freddo. So I've got a variety of freddos. Which one shall I have today? I've got Easter eggs in yellow, and I've got Easter eggs in blue, and I've got Easter eggs in purple and gold. What shall I have today? And then there's jelly beans with all different colors. And isn't it exciting that life is full of variety? But when you're an exercise professional, there's a really important question that people will probably ask you. Do I need to do a variety of different exercises to get the best result? So if I want to be my fittest, my strongest, my leanest, my healthiest, I want to stay young for long, I want to have great quality of life, do I need to do different kinds of exercises to stimulate different parts of my body to make sure that I get the best results possible? And what a great question. So let's ask some more questions. When somebody tells us what they want to do, uh, as an exercise professional, is it our responsibility, A, to find out what it is, and B, to find the, the quickest, fastest, best way for them to get that result? Uh, and is, if that includes variety, why would it include variety and how do we uh, implement variety into an exercise program? So here's my big, big question. What do you want to do? Now, regardless of what the answer is, because we, we always ask that question, don't we? It's one of the most important questions as an exercise professional. What do you want? Now, we ask the same question, but the answer is always different. Every person gives us a unique, different answer to what they actually want to achieve. And even if we get the same answer for what they want to achieve, is it possible the reason why they want to achieve it is different? So, Lots of people might say they want to lose weight or they want to get fit for a sport or they want to be able to compete in a a body competition or bikini competition or they want to be fit for a certain uh, event, but uh, the reason they want to do it is completely different. So is it our responsibility or should it be our responsibility to find out about each unique individual person that's uh, investing time with us and investing money with us to make sure that we find out exactly what they want and why they want it? When we know the answer to those two questions, then do we have a responsibility to make sure they get the best results possible in the quickest time possible? And then I always ask the next two questions, which are, if somebody's really fit and if somebody's really strong, is it possible they can go and do all the other things that they want to do? So sometimes we focus on, okay, I've got to get them fit to play a sport or strong to lift a certain piece of uh, something for a competition, or I need to get them fit to climb a mountain or strong to to participate in some form of activity that they're excited about. But (laughs) if they're really fit and really strong, the fittest and strongest they can possibly be, is it possible then they can go and do all the other things? Now that's Uh, There's there's a, a great discussion to be had there. But I'm asking the question for a reason because if I know how to get somebody really fit, cardiovascular and respiratory fit, Uh, their central nervous system is firing, their endocrine system is firing, their digestive system works effectively to get vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants to all the places they've got to go, Uh, and they've got a strong immune system so they don't get sick, is it possible that they'll be able to do all the things they want to do, and if I get them really strong, is it possible, and when I talk about strong, every ligament, tendon, joint, muscle, bone, central nervous system, endocrine system, everything's as strong as it can possibly be, so then they can go and do whatever it is that they want to do. So that's my first big please consider as an exercise professional, because is it possible that sometimes we get a bit caught up in the, the variety of exercise versus what is the safest, quickest way to get somebody fit and strong? And then how would I measure that? And we'll, we'll just ask that question first. If somebody's really fit, what are the biomarkers to say, okay, that person's really fit, Uh, And technically, is it possible that the answer to that question is simply they've got a low resting heart rate, they have the capability of getting their heart rate up uh, to to maximum heart rate, and recover from that really quickly. So if somebody gets to maximum heart rate and it takes them two or three hours to recover, uh, and then it takes them two or three minutes to recover, and then it takes them 30 or 20 seconds to recover, obviously I'm getting them fitter. Now here's the question. Does my heart and lungs, my respiratory cardiovascular system, know whether I'm getting puffed from punching or kicking or swimming or biking or sprinting or skipping or dancing? And I think it's a really important question because then it comes down to each individual person. So if I can get somebody really fit by overloading their heart, overloading their lungs, overloading their central nervous system and endocrine system, so they're going at a 100% effort to get really fit, it uh, doesn't matter how I do that. Now, I'm not looking for a right or wrong answer. I'm just asking for us as exercise professionals to be asking some clever questions. So if, it, if that's possible that it doesn't matter, as long as I'm overloading my heart and lungs and, and they're blind so they don't know what I'm doing, then is it possible Then I need to ask the individual in front of me, uh, how do you want to get puffed? Now, some people hate running, some people love it. Some people hate boxing, some people love it. Some people hate uh, any kind of electronic equipment and some people love it. So let's find out, is it possible? And is probably a better question. Uh, if somebody is enjoying what they're doing or they like what they're doing or it's an activity that they want to do, Is it more likely they'll keep doing it, which means they'll get the result that they want? So if they want to get fit and they like the way they're getting fit, then they might stick with that exercise program and then they're more likely to get the outcome that they want. So if I design a program for somebody that's all running, 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 but they hate running, 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 is it possible that they'll stop running and then not get fit? (laughs) So if my heart and lungs and all the other systems in my body can get fit by overload, Does it matter how I overload? First question. Second question. Muscles, bones, ligaments, tendons, joints, are they blind or can they see what I'm lifting? So whether I lift a dumbbell, or barbell, I use machinery, I use a rock, I use a a wheelbarrow full of sand, I use a a, a gym bag full of books, uh, I lift my child, I lift a big box of something in my house. Do my muscles and bones, ligaments, tendons and joints know the difference or do they just get stronger from overload and how do I test that? So fitness I test by resting heart rate and recovery speed and strength is a really easy one. If I can lift heavier, what's happening to my body? Is it possible I'm getting stronger? (laughs) So if I keep getting stronger, so whether I lift one extra kilo of sand or an extra kilo of rock or an extra kilo of wood or an extra kilo of a wet towel or an extra kilo of a child that's getting bigger. Uh, doesn't matter as long as I'm overloading my muscles, bones, ligaments, tendons and joints so that I get stronger. So if I'm really fit and if I'm really strong, what can I then go and do? Now comes the argument or the discussion point of do I need to be fit for? So if I'm a a runner, if I want to go and do a long distance marathon race or I want to do a 100 metre sprint, uh, there's a big difference obviously in energy systems. But if I get really fit, is it possible that I could still go and run my marathon? And this is a really important question, uh, particularly for me because I've run a few marathons. Uh, If I give somebody an exercise that pounds their joints over and over and over and over, if I give them an exercise in the gym where they're doing uh, multiple repetitions over and over and over and over, Is it possible that they're going to get repetition or overuse injuries? And if I am injured, is it possible I can't, well, how can I run my marathon? How can I exercise to keep my body fit and strong if I've got injured ligaments, tendons, and joints? So if I'm going to be doing an activity that's going to be uh, risking my ligaments, tendons, joints, muscles, how can I combat that? So if I'm going to be a, if I'm going to be boxing or I'm going to be uh, crossfitting or I'm going to be playing rugby league or I'm going to be running marathon I'm going to be climbing mountains I'm going to be doing downhill mountain bike riding I'm going to be skateboarding all of those sports and all of the other ones you can think of that have high risk as attached to them how can I make sure that my body is bulletproof injury proof has less chance of being injured or hurt doing my sport, is it possible I've got to go back to how do I get really fit how how do I get really strong? My responsibility as an exercise professional is it to make sure that my client, my athlete, the person I'm caring about to make sure they achieve their goal is in peak physical condition to go and do all the things that they want to do. And how do I do that? And again, we could argue about it and it could be a robust discussion and there's plenty of exercise physiologists who go backwards and forwards about what, what is the best way to train. But I'm going to go back to this question. What does your client want to do? If I can get somebody fit by getting them puffed, and if I can get somebody strong by getting them to lift heavy things, doesn't matter how they get puffed and doesn't matter what they lift, as long as they're getting fitter, and how do I test that? Their resting heart rate's coming down and their ability to recover from maximum performance is quick. And if they're getting stronger, they can lift lift more. Not more times, they're just lifting heavier weight. And again, if I go from five kilos to 10 kilos to 20 kilos to 50 kilos to 100 kilos, obviously I've gotten stronger. If I could only lift five and now I can lift 55, I've gotten stronger. If it took me a minute to recover and now I can recover in 30 seconds from maximum heart rate, obviously I'm getting fitter. And how does that now adapt to all those different sports and could that be the interconnection that's so really important? Because if my athlete or my client is really fit and really strong, is it possible then that they can go and do all the other things that they wanna do? The other interconnection there is injury. And I'm gonna ask the question very strongly and very passionately. What happens if an athlete, if your client, if you are injured? How much of your sport can you do? And how much of your strength training and your fitness training can you do? And is it possible that sometimes it's zero? Because if you have a bad injury and it's really painful, there's a lot of people that don't want to do anything. Now, it doesn't mean you don't that you can't and you shouldn't because of course, if you've got a sore knee or a sore back or a sore shoulder, you can still exercise, you can still move, but it makes it a bit hard. And if you then—that's from strength training and fitness point of view—but if you then want to go and do a sport, if you want to uh, climb mountains, race mountain bikes downhill, if you want to do crossfit, if you want to box, if you want to play rugby league, if you want to go water skiing—but you've got an injury, uh, sore knee, sore back, sore shoulder—is it possible that you can't do any of that? So, what's our responsibility as an exercise professional? And I always ask these three things: if I can get somebody really fit, and I know exactly how to do it. in the quickest way possible, in the shortest period of time, in the safest way possible, so this person has maximum fitness. And if I can get them really strong, so every muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, joint, endocrine system, uh, central nervous system, everything's really strong. And I also include in there the immune system so they don't get sick, they don't have to have time off from being tired or stressed or their body's uh, feeling sick. Then uh, what else do I need to know? And could that connection be... That I do that safely and I do it based on what the person likes. So I'm going to use my jelly beans here. It's an interesting choice. If you have, now you might not eat jelly beans, which is a really awesome thing because if somebody doesn't like to run, you can say you have to run and they don't want to. If somebody doesn't eat jelly beans and I offer them a jelly bean, they're going to say, no, I don't like jelly beans. But if you do like jelly beans, is it possible that there's a color in there that you like particularly? More than another one, and there might be ones that you don't like. So I've got some people in my life that I actually save the black ones for them because they love black jelly beans, and I've got other people that throw black jelly beans away because they hate them. Uh, I'm not a fan of yellow. I don't particularly like yellow jelly beans. I really like red ones, <laughs> and blue ones, and purple ones. Uh, so the unique choice that we have as humans is that we all have likes and dislikes. That's what makes us human. So as an exercise professional, is it my responsibility to find out, A, if my client likes jelly beans? So do they like to run? Do they like to box? Do they like to swim? Do they like to use electronic equipment? Do they like to skip? Do they like to dance? Because I've got to get them fit. So let's get them fit doing something they love to do. Uh, And then if they don't like it, why Why? (laughs) I, don't, I love jelly beans, but I don't like black ones. So if I eat black ones, I don't even enjoy them. I'm not going to eat them. I don't like them. I'm not going to waste calories eating black jelly beans. And there's a lot of people that they may do their exercise. If I was starving, I suppose I'd eat a black jelly bean because I was starving and I needed to get some calories into my body. And there might be some people that if they're desperate to get a result, they might go running or they might do boxing or they might skip because you've told them that they have to. But isn't it our responsibility to get people fit and strong long term? And is it our responsibility to get them fit and strong doing what they absolutely love to do? But the connection again is the safety. So if I get somebody to, if I aim to get somebody really fit and really strong playing rugby league, (laughs) is it possible that they would get injured? So I'm not suggesting we don't that they don't play rugby league. I think that's awesome. If you love rugby league, you should play it. But as an exercise professional, it's my responsibility to get them really fit and strong first so that when they go and play their sport, there's less chance of them getting injured. So every time they get knocked, every time they get tackled, every time they fall over, uh, when they get impacted, they've got the strongest, fittest body possible or they're so fast because I've got them so fit that nobody can catch them to tackle them. So when it comes to variety of exercise, the argument is always, do I get a better result if I do different exercises? And there's two parts to that because there's fitness and there's strength, and we'll talk about fitness first. If my heart and lungs are gonna get fit by being overloaded, doesn't matter whether I do that by running or biking or skipping or swimming or whatever exercise it is that I hate the least or that, that I love the most. And if I get bored, there are some people who definitely get bored with exercise. So if I'm bored with it and I'm going to stop, would it then be my responsibility as an exercise professional to make sure that I give them a variety of exercises so they don't get bored? But my reverse of that, and I'll use my uh, 23 years experience as an exercise, uh, group exercise instructor for this, uh, I was a I could choreograph my own classes. So I learned how to create blocks of choreography for people to uh, pretty much do a dance class to aerobics. Woohoo! <laughs> and there was a really big challenge with that because every time I did a class I would have different choreography. And if people are focusing on the choreography and they're not putting in a hundred percent effort into their exercise, is it possible that they won't get the best result? I'll use the boxing as the same. If I've got a whole heap of complicated routines for boxing to make it more interesting to give people a variety. But they don't box at 100% effort, so now maybe their brain's getting a bit more overload, but their body's not working hard because they've got to focus on the complicated uh, way to put the routine together. But could that be a choice? Are there some people who want to have a complicated dance routine every time they come to a class? And there's other people that want to have the same class every single time. And I learned that lesson the hard way because I came through the process of I choreographed my own classes. And then this program came along called Les Mills and became a a worldwide phenomenon of exercise classes that had exactly the same music with exactly the same exercises for six, eight, 12 weeks in a row. And it was really interesting to watch because there were some people that were were loving those classes. And as they got closer to the changeover, where where now we've we've been doing the same exercise for 12 weeks now, we're going to change over, people didn't want it to change. I don't want it to change because I like doing just this. So I learned, uh, and I've been doing this a long time, and I love learning, and I love learning from experiences, and I love learning from mistakes. And one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made is to think that people like to exercise the same way I do. Uh, The biggest lesson I've learned is that, yes, I've got to get people fit, and yes, I've got to get them strong, but most importantly, I've got to find out what each individual person wants. So there are some people that come to a group exercise class and they want it to be the same, 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 same every single time. And I have a, a great example of a circuit class that a gentleman, I, uh, a really cool guy, I used to run in a, in a really interesting place in Sydney, Australia called Campbelltown. It's a very low socioeconomic area. And I managed health clubs there for a very long time. And he was a really cool guy who used to run exactly the same circuit class every single magical day, wow day, and fun day, Friday evening. He'd put exactly the same cards down on the carpet. He'd put exactly the same weights on each card. And the class was identical with exactly the same music. Now, this was pre-Les Mills' days. And when I first saw that class, because here's me with my fancy choreography, I thought, why would people come to that class? It's just the same every single time. Uh, but every Magical Day, Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday, Friday evening, that room was packed. You had to book to get a spot on one of those circuit cards because people loved it. And the reason, because I ask, why do you love it? And they loved it because it was exactly the same every single time. They liked, they loved it, not liked it, they loved it. Now I'm going to do jump squats and now I'm going to do push-ups and now I'm going to run up and down the room and now I'm going to skip and now I'm going to do push-ups and now I'm going to do dips. And they loved it because they knew exactly what to expect. So when you come to the basic human needs of of the of the human race it's really interesting because one of the big things we need is certainty. We need to know or have security and safety that we're not going to die or we're not going to get some horrible thing happen to us and we know what's going to happen. And a lot of people live their life in exactly that space. They need certainty. Interestingly, one of the other basic human needs is uncertainty. Uh, There are some humans that absolutely thrive on it's got to be different. We've got to have variety. We've got to have change. We've got to have excitement. And if they did the same class, they would probably do the same class twice and then be bored to tears because it's, we did this last time. Haven't we got something different to do? So should we as exercise professionals, and I always ask these three things, and I think these are the three driving forces to be the top Uh, To be the top at what we do, how do I get somebody really fit? How do I get somebody really strong? And then how do I adapt that, personalize it, customize it, tailor it to the individual person that's in front of me? Not what I like to do, not what a group, other group of people like to do, not what scientists say. And I'll give an example for that. Uh, If we were going to pick the ultimate exercise, like so which is the exercise that burns the most calories in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible? And there's probably very little argument to say that the human body is meant to exercise in the upright position. Uh, Standing burns more calories than sitting, and it's a more effective position. But walking burns more calories than standing. Jogging burns more calories than walking, Running burns more calories than jogging, but sprinting burns more calories than anything. And ultimately, if we want to get really fit, the harder we exercise in that phosphate system, so every time we put in 100% effort, get your breath back, 100% effort, that seems to get us the fittest possible. And because we're running and we're in the upright position and we don't have any uh, shearing forces going through our joints because everything is a, a compression force, that that could be the safest exercise. So there is an argument to say that if you want to get the best result possible in the shortest period of time versus the the most amount of calories, then you should sprint, run sprint. What if somebody doesn't like to run? doesn't matter how many... I always use the the analogy or the example of you could tell somebody that the best form of protein comes from an animal or the best form of hay and iron comes from red meat. But if they're a vegan vegetarian, it's a really silly thing to say, yeah, (laughs) because they don't like to eat meat. So it doesn't matter what argument you give them, they don't eat meat. You could argue that running is the best exercise possible, but if somebody doesn't like to run, they're not going to do it. And if they're not going to do it, then how can I possibly get them fit and strong? So, those really important questions that come with my very cool philosophy called the Smarties Principle. You know, those pretty colored lollies. I used to have it, I think I've got some packets in here. Maybe in my variety of chocolate here, i find some Smarties. There's so many different varieties. See, even Toblerone, there's yellow ones and there's white ones and there's black ones. And look at that. There's plain frogs and there's strawberry frogs because it's called variety. <laughs> So here's my great question. If you want to get the best results possible for your client, if you want to make sure they get really fit and really strong, is it possible that everybody's different? And we have to ask that series of questions, the Smarties Principle, which is what can you stick to for the rest of your life? S. M. What is moderation for you? And I use the word moderation not because we should be exercising moderately, but because anything from the extreme tends not to work. Doing nothing, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna be in serious challenge medically, physically, mentally. But if we're constantly pushing, 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 pushing and trying to sprint all the time without resting, obviously we can't do that either. So what's moderation for the person that's that's sitting in front of you? So what can they stick to for the rest of their life? What's moderation? A is achievable. What can they actually do? So I could say to somebody, you should run a marathon 42.2 kilometers. But if they've never run before, how much of that will they be able to do? Versus what's achievable for them right now might be that they can sprint for 10 seconds or they can walk to the letterbox And is it possible we could turn walk to the letterbox, into jog to the letterbox, into run to the letterbox, into sprint to the letterbox, and now we've got a progression that is achievable in somebody's headspace. So SMARTY stands for something I can stick to for the rest of my life, moderation, achievable, realistic for this person. Uh, Now, I could say I love rugby league, but realistically, for me to play rugby league with my busted up body and all my joints are are broken because I did stupid, silly exercises, because to get strong, I didn't focus on the safety part of the exercise. I didn't think for myself. I didn't learn my anatomy and physiology. I just listened to other people talk to me about how to get strong and tell me what they used to do. And of course, that didn't work for me. And now that I'm an an old lady, I have busted broken joints. So realistically, even if I wanted to play rugby league, I don't have a body now that can do that. So we have to look at each individual person and say, realistically, can they do this? But not what I think they can do, it's what they think they can do. And then as a coach, is it my responsibility to perhaps help them through that process of what is realistic versus what isn't? So Smarties is something I can stick to for the rest of my life, moderation, achievable, realistic, Time efficient, and I use that for two reasons. One is most people want it now. They don't want to wait, and they don't want it to take a long time. Most people want it to happen quickly. So is it possible we have to produce an exercise program that's quick, fast? But also, if somebody has a long time to exercise, so somebody might say to you, look, I can come to the gym seven days a week, or I can run every day, or I've got hours to exercise every day. Is it possible that there still might come a time in their life where they don't have hours and hours? You might say to me today, I'm very capable of going to the gym for an hour every day. But if your life changes and you get a new career path or you get a family or you move to a different place and your life changes, should we be able to get somebody really fit and really strong in a short period of time? So even if somebody's got a long time, by all means, customize and tailor their exercise program to suit their time frame. But is it important that we never want somebody to think, oh, I haven't got an hour, so I'll do nothing. What if I've only got a minute or I've only got 50 seconds or I've got 10 seconds? Can I still do something? And of course, the answer is yes. So is it time efficient for the person? And should we make it time efficient for anything else that comes up in their life? The next one is interesting and enjoyable. And I'll ask again, if somebody hates swimming, why would we get them to swim? If somebody hates bike riding, and they never wanna ride a bike, even if you think it's the best exercise ever and you love it, they're not gonna do it. So should we find out what the person really wants to do, what's interesting and enjoyable for them? And then of course, what makes sense to them? Uh, It could be science, uh, because the smarties, the last S, arguably this exercise program should be based on science. So this one part of science is anatomy and physiology. Everything we do should be based on how the human body works. But the second part of science is there's a lot of argument about this exercise versus that one, this eating plan versus that one, how often you should exercise versus how often you should... It. There's a lot of argument in the science. So what Yeah, you know, perhaps the better question would be is what makes sense for your client. So if I'm going to design an exercise program for somebody, how do I get them really fit? How do I get them really strong? And then how can I base it for them personally, tailor, specialise, personalise, uh, make it specific to their lifestyle based on smarties? Is this something you can stick to for the rest of your life? Is it in moderation? Is it achievable? Is it realistic? Is it time efficient? Is it interesting? Is it enjoyable? Does it make sense to you? And do we have the anatomy and physiology science to back up that this is a safe exercise program that's not going to hurt their joints and it's not going to injure them in any way? Because I'll ask the question again doesn't matter how fit and strong I get somebody if I bust up their joints so they can't exercise I can't do fit and strong and I also can't they can't do this sport or they can't go and do their activity so variety of exercise if somebody hates to exercise wouldn't it be awesome wouldn't it be exciting if all they had to do was get really puffed a few times throughout the day to get physically fit and then perhaps lift heavy a couple of times a week, once a week, using every single muscle and bone in their body. So that's a really short exercise program. And if I get somebody really fit physically and really strong physically, is it possible that they'll also be mentally tougher and stronger so they'll be able to live their life more effectively and they'll be able to go and do their sport? Rather than trying to mix it around and give people a variety of exercise because perhaps we're getting bored. And I asked that question because, as a group exercise instructor, I created all these great choreography classes because I was teaching 15 classes a week in exactly the same place to the exact same people. And I didn't want to get bored. So I was creating all these great new exercise programs. But what I learned the hard way is that people don't like, no, I'll rephrase, a lot of people don't like change. A lot of people like the certainty of going to and doing exactly the same thing. The people that like variety, should we know the difference between that person wants the class to be exactly the same and that person wants the class to be completely different? And should we be designing classes that are the same and or different? Should we be be designing uh, exercise programs that are based on do you want to have it exactly the same or do you want want it to be different? And then the really interesting thing about strength training and variety, rather than just coming up with a new exercise for the sake of it, and I think uh, if you see as much social media as I uh, am sent on a daily basis, there's a lot of weird and wonderful exercises. So should we ask the question, is it safe? Is it functional? Uh, Will it injure me? Uh, Will it give me the result that I want? And if not, why would I do it? And then this great question that I could ask my client, out of the three best exercises for your upper body, which one do you want to do? So do you prefer bench presses? Do you prefer dips? Do you prefer push-ups, for example? For the best uh, exercises for the back part of your upper body, would you prefer to do chin-ups or rows or lat pull-downs? So you're still giving people this great choice of variety but you're not giving them some weird and wonderful exercise that they might have seen on social media that doesn't make any sense and then you have to invest a lot of time explaining why that might not be safe and why it might not be effective so here's my ultimate question, what do you want for your client? What do you want for you? What do you want for the people in your life that you care about? Do you want to give them an exercise program that gives them the best results possible in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible, which is how do I get them fit? How do I get them strong? How do I do it safely, which is the connector, so they can go and do all the things that they want to do? And here's the beautiful question. How will it feel when your client, when your family, when your friends, the people that you are creating Uh, safe, effective, time-efficient exercise programs for, they come to you and say, thank you, Rowie, I love twirls, or I love freddos, or I love Easter eggs, whatever it is that they like. I'm really fit, I'm really strong, and I've just won my competition. I'm really fit, I'm really strong, and I've just slid into my jeans. Thank you for getting me really fit and really strong. My brain's working more effectively. I've just had a promotion at work. I'm really fit and I'm really strong, and I feel like I'm a much better parent. Thank you so much for being my personal exercise coach. and getting me fit and really strong. I've just won my grand final. Thank you so much because as my exercise coach, you've got me really fit and really strong, and now I've got my love life back because I've got my self-esteem and self-confidence back. And they're all unique, different, personal reasons why people exercise and why they want to get a result. And is it our responsibility, yes, to get people fit, yes, to get people strong, but ultimately to then customise and tailor and personalise that exercise program to suit what they want to do. So if people need variety so that they don't get bored, let's make sure that the variety is safe and effective to give them the best results possible. And if people don't want variety, let's not bamboozle them with it. Let's give them something that they're going to stick to for the rest of their life. And last but not least, I always ask this question there are not 75 different ways to brush your teeth most dentists agree that there is a safe effective way to brush your teeth it's once or twice a day maybe three times Uh, you use a toothbrush, you use some toothpaste you might use some dental floss Uh, you brush your teeth for one to two minutes and it's the same, same, same and it might not be very exciting I'm so excited to brush my teeth or the opposite, I'm so bored to brush my teeth It's not about the teeth brushing that's important, it's about the outcome that we get. If we don't brush our teeth, how do we feel? And what if we could relate that to exercise? It's not how exciting we make it or how different it is or how much variety we put into it. And it could be that ultimately, if I get really fit by getting puffed a few times every day, and if I get really strong by lifting something heavy once, maybe twice every week, is it possible that because I'm fit and because I'm strong, I can go and do all the other things that I want to do? If I brush my teeth two times a day and I've got straight, white, clean, fresh teeth, fresh mouth, is it possible that I have better self-esteem and self-confidence? I can go and do all the other things that I want to do. The reverse, if somebody's unfit and weak and they've got low self-esteem and low self-confidence, what? how does that affect the rest of their life? How does it affect their career path, their relationships, and all the other things that they want to do? If somebody's got dirty, rotten teeth and bad, smelly breath, how does that affect their business? How does it affect their relationships? And how does it affect everything else that they want to do? So as an exercise professional, I feel like I have the responsibility to get people really fit and really strong in the unique, special way that they will actually do it. And could that be the most important thing? What will this person actually do? Because if I don't do it, I don't get a result. If I do do it, I will get a result. And isn't that my responsibility? Let's find out what you want to do to give you the best result possible. Woohoo!